You're listening to the Traffic and Funnel Show. Hey folks, this is Alan, producer of the TNF Show. Today's episode of the podcast is a compilation episode where Taylor takes questions from Jeremy Miner of the Closers Are Losers podcast, covering a range of topics within the sales and entrepreneurial space. If you haven't done so yet, visit trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe to get a free gift from us and get access to special deals on our next level paid products. All right, here's Taylor and Jeremy. First question right off the press, I have to ask you this. What's your take on the fear that is spread through the economy right now. I wanted to ask you that first and foremost. Um, yeah, well, I think there's like the economic fear, then there's the health fear, and those two different things are, you know, they're not the same, and they, I think it depends on the industry that you're selling in, but yeah, for us and our team, they, you know, traffic and funnels actually has grown by about 30% in the last month. Sales mentor has grown. Wealth capital real estate has grown. And so you gotta really look at, you know, on one hand, fear really tends to limit. I don't know if you've seen these studies where fear actually uh, brings in peripheral vision. Fear reduces the activity in the prefrontal cortex. Like fear does some damaging things to the human mind, human psyche, but fear can also improve your stamina. Yeah. Fear can improve your motivation. Yeah. Fear can improve and enhance your risk tolerance. So I think for salespeople, it's an opportunity to thread the needle as long as you're selling something that is helpful and good. Sure. Um, because a lot of people right now, they're afraid that, you know, the economy will not correct in a way that is conducive to their previous lifestyle. And if you're selling anything along the lines of helping people navigate that, you're going to experience increase, yeah, not decrease. And so yeah. fear is, you know, I think it's, it's partially a tool to be sure. used ethically in the context of sales well 100% and you have to look at it you know what I always train uh, companies and salespeople is that it doesn't matter what type of economic situation you're in whether it's uh, an economic contraction like we're having right now or if it's an economic growth pattern like we've been in probably the last uh, I don't know five six years somewhere in that range especially the last three or four it doesn't matter what economy you're living in your prospects have problems right? They still have problems either way. Okay. So typically when I'm training an event, I'll ask the audience, you know, raise your hand if your prospects have problems. And everybody's like, my prospects have problems. I'm like, wow, that's a, just a crazy idea. Now I want you to write down the top two problems that your prospects have, write those down. Okay. Now raise your hand, look at your problems, you know, that they have, raise your hand. If your solution solves those, everybody raises their hand. So I'm like, okay, so what I think I hear all of you say is that your prospects have problems. You have the solution to solve that. So my question is, why are they not buying? What's the missing link? Could it be the missing link that what you are saying, or more importantly, what you are not asking your prospects is causing them to not purchase your solution so you can actually solve their problem. So once you change that missing link and you learn the right words to say, you learn the right questions to ask in each sales conversation, what becomes possible for you. And that's in any economy. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's good or bad. You always have the solution that can solve the, their problems, but you have to know the right questions to ask in that conversation to get them to realize that psychologically and make it their idea, not your idea that they should do it. 
And you have to be bold enough to ask the questions you know you need to ask. So when you talk about fear, what about the fear of the salesperson? Most yeah. of the people on my team, if, if they're in a position where they're, they're struggling, it's usually because they are, they're afraid to ask the tough questions. They're, it's not the fear of the prospect. It's the, yeah. the damaging. It's, it's more so, I think, the fear of the leader who is navigating the sales call because they are more interested in you know, protecting the feelings of the other person, making sure that right. that's, the, that's the issue. You know. Yeah, and you have to, you, see, you hit it right on the head, you have to build what I call good tension. I don't mean yes. tension like you're pushy or manipulative, because nope. that's just going to put up their defensive wall. But you have to build tension where they feel like if they don't solve this issue, yep. then they're done. And so when they feel that tension, that uncomfortable tension, they have to do something, it builds urgency for them to do it now, rather than call me back in a week, a month, a year later, and that's yeah. where your sales explode as a company or a salesperson. One now, quick note on that. Here's the difference between internal pressure and external pressure. Yeah. I was at an event about a year and a half ago where I first kind of coined this. And everybody thinks of pressure as external pressure. This is your old school, force them to make a decision by the pen or you're dead. You know? <laughs> but the new, the, the new way to do it, pressure is still absolutely a part of the recipe. It's, but it's internal pressure. It's the pressure that somebody feels for their own families. That, you know, I have to step up and make a decision that can be created in a way that is still respectful to the buyer. So we know you, your company has coached hundreds of clients with their business sales and marketing because you guys do a lot in that company. You don't just do sales, you do marketing as well. How have you been able to help them and expand and adapt to actually thrive during these tougher economic times? What are you guys doing? Um, it's a very big question. It's a very broad question. Um, you know, like we can, when it comes down to it, I don't know if, if anybody is a fan of uh, Michael Jordan, but The Last Dance just dropped. I saw it. I saw the first two episodes. It's, That's good. It's amazing. But look at this. Look at this. When, when you have a, a professional athlete who is a leader of a team, there, there is the work they do off the court and then the work they do on the court. People yeah. don't people don't effectively separate these things out. And so right now we're in, we're on the court. We are in the middle of vast opportunity. Yeah. Um, but off the court, there's all of the maintenance activity that you need to do as an athlete, which make no mistake, salespeople are the best athletes in the world. They just have, you know, it's not the body, it's the mind. Yeah. And so, you know, everything starts with the thinking, everything starts with your ability to maintain composure. Sure. And for, for clients specifically, we've had thousands and thousands and thousands of clients, Satya, high ticket clients, people that we work one-on-one -on -one with in a group. And right. one of the main things is really maintaining that ability every single day to maintain focus on the target. Okay. Um, you know, we can talk specifically. I know that this show is mostly for sales professionals. Sales um, professionals, business owners, for sure. Yeah. I mean, so right now, I'll just give you an example. Uh, if they're... You know, whatever ingredients are in, in the oven, you want to use those ingredients. So one of the ingredients is fear. So how do, we, how do we ethically capitalize on that right now? And not to be a bad person, but just to say, if you sell something that is good for people, helpful for people, you have an obligation to move them into a position to capitalize on it. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing is like, we lean into that fear. We're yeah. leaning into it. We're going with the flow of the river. And what that sounds like, what that looks like is, you know, people are, they're worried. We had somebody uh, a month ago who was on the phone with one of our advisors and 
uh, he works in a title company and he's like, you know, the title, there's just no business. The business doesn't come sure. in. And what a, an amateur salesperson would be like, is like, well, you know, you really need to think about, you know, what you want and like, you know, everything's going to go back to normal. But a professional salesperson says, let me, let me ask you a question. What if things stay like this for a year? Are you prepared? You know, are you adaptable enough? Are you agile enough? Like, what if this doesn't change? This is the question you need to be asking. Not, not when things are going to go back to normal. What if they don't go back to normal for three years? Yeah. Are you just going to accept bankruptcy? Like you're going to have to pivot and better pivot now than later. So we're leaning into that, mm-hmm. that, that thing is already there. That fear is already there and yeah. we're capitalizing on it in an ethical way. What's the difference between selling in a great market that we've been in for probably the last four or five years, maybe six years, versus a bad market, which we're starting in that process now? What do you think the difference is that? Uh, I honestly think that it's easier to sell in a bad market than it is to sell in a good market. Tell us um, why. Well, to your point earlier, you know, like, so we teach our business owner clients, you know, your business problems are not created in a downturn. Your business problems were actually created in, in the expansion season and they are being revealed to you now in the down season. It's the tide going out and uh, Warren Buffett's famous quote, you see who has no clothes on you know, when the tide goes out. And for us, like, think about if you are competing, like if you're, if, if you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, man, I'm doing everything that Jeremy tells me to do and I'm training and I'm out there working and I'm hustling. you got to understand that you are competing with C players, D players, and there are times when those people are going to take your business simply because there's, there's so much velocity in the market, mm-hmm. money spinning around, changing hands. But when the velocity slows down, the true A players, mm-hmm. the, the competition thins, the herd thins. And so that's why TF is growing right now. It's why sales mentor is growing. We haven't gotten magically better at our craft in, in a month. No, it's just the C players, the idiots are gone. Yeah. They're moving out of, out of the game. Mm-hmm. And Less when competition for you. Think about this, bro. Think about this. You go into a doctor's office. In a perfect world, that doctor doesn't, you know, your arm's broken. Yeah. That doctor doesn't care for him whether you, fix, whether you get it fixed or not. He's, he's got no skin in the game. Yeah. He's just telling you what you need to do. And when it comes to being a, a masterful closer, I think you've got to be the same way where it's like you, you make sure that you don't necessarily have something personally to gain from the you know the the conversation you don't have necessarily skin in the game where you're like unduly trying to push someone to do something that they don't want to do but the beauty of this analogy is that right now everyone's arm is broken Mm -hmm. your market just grew by 10 folds yeah you you have you have 10 x your market (laughs) exactly and so would you rather sell when there's thousands of people lined up who need what you do or would you rather go out and have to find those people because they're hidden and they're to me, everything actually expands if you know what you're doing yeah. when the market corrects. And the people who unfortunately are missing out <laughs> are the people who have just been kind of floating along, lazy, mm-hmm. due to so much velocity. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Because you will, as, a sale, as, a, as an organization, as a company, or as a salesperson, you will be eliminated. We just talked about this a minute ago. You brought this up. In times of economic contraction, every shortcoming in your sales ability will only be magnified and it will be 10 times harder to sell if you keep using the same skill sets that kept you where you're at right now. There's so much opportunity out there. Once you learn the right sales skills, you learn the right questions to get the prospect to persuade themselves, 
prospects still have problems, you have the solution. The only thing that determines them buying or not is your sales ability, period. Yo, what's up crew, Taylor Welch here. And if you're a fan of this show and you wanna get a little bit deeper in your commitment to your business and your growth and your revenue, head over to trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you're gonna get a free gift from us just to help you grow your business. And it's our way of saying thank you for joining the family. Our exclusive offers and deals usually show up to this subscriber community as well. So you'll get first dibs access on anything new, anything exciting. And most of the time that means profitability for you. Visit trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe. I'll see you on the inside, my friends. Have you ever felt like you work, 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 work? You're constantly chasing something, but you wake up one day and you feel like you've done all of this effort and you haven't really gotten a good return out of it, but you can't give up because you've put in all of this effort. And so you get stuck inside of this hamster wheel that the entrepreneur gets stuck into. One of the things that I learned pretty early on was that you can run really, really fast. You can be a really hard worker. You can be not lazy, not cheap, but you can be running in the wrong direction and where is it gonna take you? Not only do you have to have the mentorship, but you have to know what not to do. We have this cool training that is actually going to teach you the things that you should avoid in your business and how to replace them with the things that actually will work to get you more clients, better clients, happier clients, more money. A lot of times people think business is about service, but no, business is about generating profit. If you can create service, but you can't generate profit, you go bankrupt. Now, how do you do both at the same time? How do I say, I love who I'm serving, the clients that I have are getting great results and I'm making a lot of money doing it. I'll teach you all of those things in this training. It's free and maybe one day you'll be able to uh, have a team of your own and an office of your own and maybe even have some nice cars. We'll see. Visit trafficandfunnels.com slash holy grail. That's trafficandfunnels.com slash holy grail. What do you think is the single biggest financial mistake you see sales professionals make? I wanted to get your thoughts on that. From a sales perspective, um, I'll just separate this into two answers. From a, from a sales perspective, like just the way, that, the way that we're jiving, I think we're aligned on, on everything that we do. We're training our guys the same way. Yeah. Um, but I think when we get new closers in, one of the biggest mistakes that we see them make is they end up answering objections. They get into that excitement mode that you're talking about. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to touch on this really quickly because tactically, this is, I think, one of the great secrets of uh, true leadership-based selling mm -hmm. is you're in a, you, you set the prospect up in such a way where they can sell themselves. What does that mean? It means they work themselves through their own objections. They can work themselves through their own objections. And so a lot of our, a lot of our ethos is based on, you know, you answer questions, not objections. Yeah. Um, and so tactically, you know, that's, that's a massive mistake that people make when it does get low like this, when velocity does decrease because the objection count is going to increase and you have to have the, the wherewithal to withstand that and barrel through. What do you think the difference is between selling maybe 10, 20 years ago to those type of buyers compared to selling today to today's more information age buyer? It's a great question. Um, you know, I got lucky in that I actually started in copy. My mm -hmm. first study line of study was copywriting. Mm -hmm. The greatest salespeople in the history of the world were old school copywriters. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that is not because their stuff translates perfectly to today, mm -hmm. because it doesn't. 
But I say that because imagine having to sell the way we do on a phone on a piece of paper. Yeah. And, and I think you take Eugene Schwartz, you take some of these old guys, you bring them into the modern world and they would adapt instantly and clean up. They would crush mm -hmm. because they understood psychology so well. And so when it comes down to it, you're talking about finding problems. There's, there's different stages of awareness. Eugene Schwartz published a book called uh, Breakthrough Advertising. And in fact, um, I've got a training that I can give to your crew that, that talks to you. Sometimes you find problems. Sometimes you uncover them. Sometimes you create them. Yeah. If you're in a certain line of work within a certain industry, people don't even understand that they have a problem and you have to actually show them and connect the dots. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you go through and look at, at history, because history is a wonderful teacher, most of the problems that we're experiencing now in government, society, like actually we could have fixed them if we would have gone back and studied our mentors of old. Sure. Uh, but you've got the 1950s and everything is product based. So, you know, the old advertising that you see of Rolls Royces and everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this to you so I can explain how, my opinion of how sales has changed and how it's changing. Yeah. You know, product based, we went from product based where you, know, you had you had beer companies and car companies and you'd sell butter and people wanted to know that the product was superior. That's all they cared about. Right. right. And then you transition into opportunity. You got eighties, nineties, you talked about consultative selling. A lot right. of this was opportunity based stock pickers, people coming up. It was the, it was the great years for America. Wolf and on wall street. Wolf on wall great street. Opportunity for you. Bingo. Bingo. That's where they all got big. Uh, and you got the 2000, the big consultancies got, they got, bigger and bigger and bigger. And I feel like this was where everything became problem-based. And if you can describe the problem to the prospect, they're likely going to trust you enough to buy from you. It's, it it's even goes back to old John Caples. He who can you know, describe the problem the best wins. And now if you sell on products, if you sell on opportunity or you sell based on problems, you know, there's that 1% of people who are going to buy regardless. And so it's creating these false flags, these false signals. Yeah. But the true definition well, from my opinion right now is people now want, they want leaders that can help them navigate forward. And they so, want trusted authorities, right? That's what we trusted call authorities. trusted authorities. Trusted authorities. So, you know, I created the, this, this idea of three rules of selling, three rules of selling. And rule number one is, is your job as a sales professional is to help the prospect do what is best for them. Sure. That's, that's it. Like you disconnect from the sale. You can disconnect from the outcome. You, yeah. I'm getting on a call with you. My only goal in this call is to help you make the right decision. Yeah. Rule number two is that what is best for you, Jeremy, is likely outside of your comfort zone. Uh, because if it was in your comfort zone, you probably would have already done it. Yeah. Right. And then rule number three is, you know, you're going to fight to stay inside of your comfort zone. Here's the dichotomy, you know, to, to, for someone to get what they've always wanted, they're going to have to do what they never wanted to do. Sure. You become, because if you don't, you could become uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yep. That's it. So today that's where we are. That's how it's, it's changed. It's like people are not necessarily people logically say they want the best product, yeah. but they don't actually care about that. It's not actually their main motivation. Like you said earlier, people buy on emotion, they justify with logic. And so the job of the modern day professional salesperson or influencer or whatever it is, if you, if you have to get people to think a certain way yeah. is really based on helping the person get outside of their comfort zone by connecting that scary adventurous step mm -hmm. to what they ultimately want. And that's the pressure. Mm -hmm. That's the tension. What do you think the role of trust is in the sales process? I want to ask you that as well. We've kind of talked about it, but what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people overvalue it and um, 
it, it is likely not as important as what people think. You know, there's that whole old school marketing thing where it's like people buy from people they know, like, and trust. No, they don't. They, they don't because you actually don't know half of the people you buy from yeah. really, you know? Uh, I think it, I think it rises and falls based in proportion to the risk or the pain, you know, like, like I have a, a baby girl, her name is Kate. She just turned one year old uh, a week and a half ago. So life is great. Um, if, if she's a hundred percent going to pass away and there's this new experimental thing and it's a 20% chance she's going to make it, do I need to trust? Where, where's the value of trust in that conversation? Sure. You know? It's your, it's results. Yeah. It's, it's results. The and it's results. It's the inevitability, and this is an, an amazing question that I think you touched on earlier. There's, there's always two sides to risk. The first side of the coin is what happens if I do this and it doesn't work? And that's what everybody's obsessed with. What happens if I try this and it doesn't work? What happens if I take this program and it doesn't do what I want? But the flip side is what happens if I do nothing and nothing changes? What's the consequences that's, of that? What's, what's the consequences? And when people can realize the inevitability of their situation, if they do nothing, Trust all of a sudden doesn't really matter as much. You know, yeah. I want to trust you because, you know, Jeremy, you seem like a good guy and everything, but I want to make sure you don't steal everything from me. But that's not a ton of trust. That's a little bit of trust. And the, yeah. the biggest motivator for me is, you know, I've, I've realized that it is inevitable yeah. that anything is going to change unless I, unless I change myself. I think that's a far greater player in the yeah. game than trust is. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, why do you think most sales are lost by the salesperson. We have already touched about this, but I want to go into a little bit more deeper. Why do you think most sales are actually not because of the prospect, but because of the salesperson? Uh, I mean, either the salesperson's dumb and, uh, and thinks everything's a numbers game. That, that could be it. Um, yeah, well, I think, think like, I think it's a numbers game though. Well, but because part of it is, I think part of it is real. I mean, think about this. You're, you're, a, you're, off, you're on the plate. You're wanting to hit a home run. Yeah. And you have no pitches, but you're the greatest batter in the world. Nobody knows who you are. Right. Nobody cares. You have no pitches. You have no opportunity. But then people just overemphasize it because they're lazy. You know, they don't want to – there are certain people in the industry today who don't really want to admit that they need to update their processes. So they blame everything on the numbers. You know, if you have a, a shitty process and you have 100,000 calls, you're probably still going to make some money. Sure. Um, and so people, people are trained by that and, you know, they, they maybe slip into that from a justification. Yeah, that's what they're told. I don't know. That's what yeah, they're yeah. told by the old sales gurus. That's what, I mean, that's what they're told, right? Yeah. I, I would say, I would say more than anything from my experience. And I think your experience is, is, is superior to mine and, and the people that you've trained. So I'm interested in your answer as well. But from my experience, it is more than anything, an identity issue and a confidence and certainty, all that flow out of your identity. And I think people have to take this seriously because, when you are in a conversation, you are mirroring, you're seeing a mirror of yourself. It's yeah. fascinating to me how, yeah. many, how many sales my team has lost, not because of the prospect's objections, but because the salesperson's objections that are just projected and mirrored back. You don't, you don't think that this is, is really a good move. You don't have the certainty. You don't have the faith. You don't have the confidence. And uh, I'll never forget, Eli, Eli made me study this. He made me yeah. in 2000 and. 19, he made me start studying energy, levels of energy, power versus force, all these things. Yeah. And I was blown away by how belief is a currency that's actually transferred mm -hmm. to the other person. And yeah. so that would be what I would say is most yeah. of it is internal unhealth that's projected yeah. out on other people. I agree. 
Yeah, oh, 100%. It's, it's all about your certainty. I, I like that word certainty. It's not something I've, I've used, but I'm 100% on board with that. It's about your, I would say, like collective confidence, right? You have this yeah. collective confidence about you. It's not overconfident where you're overbearing and posturing in them and manipulating them, but it's this collective calm confidence that what you have can solve that person's issues. And if they don't go with you, that problem is still the same and nothing will ever change for them. One of the best ways to build this, and this is not necessarily sales training. This is human training. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm decent at sales training, but we do a hundred grand a day, not just from the ability to sell. We do it from the ability to be holistic. One of the best ways to build that confidence is telling the wrong people. No. Sure. And when you're able to tell the wrong people, no, you're able to build this inner citadel that, Hey, I always do the right thing for the other person. Man, people feel that they know it when they feel it. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit trafficandfunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's trafficandfunnels.com.